You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. After the last one. Well, they just keep coming out. They do. And uh, this will be the last one until we start before with the, the classic digital noise cast. And starting with the next one, we're actually going to have a series of new people joining me. Uh, not that you have to worry about Marco or Joe going away because they're not going to. But now we're going to give them a little more time. to. We got voted off the changes. island. Who no, are we kidding? No, you're not voted off anything. But Digital Noise will continue to cover all the Blu-rays and DVDs just a little <laughs> more frequently than we were getting to. Shorter shows. But in the long run, more content Absolutely. on a more timely base with more personalities coming in, including some people you've never heard before on our shows. And just I'm people with more personality. <laughs> than you? And me. That seems questionable. Uh, you know. I don't think that's plausible, Marco. Anyway, if you like our titles that we talk about, you're thinking about buying them, please click on the links, uh, links on our actual oneofus.net page. They will take you to the Amazon page where you can buy that item and we get a nice little kickback. But in fact, if there's anything that you want to buy on Amazon, start from our links and as long as you buy whatever it is you're going to buy on Amazon, starting from our links, we get that same kickback. It really makes a huge deal. Just like literally click on one of the links, go to that page, save that link and replace whatever you have on your toolbar, or your Amazon link with that link. And then so that way you start on Amazon always from yeah. one of our links and whatever you buy, you don't even have to think about it. It will always give us a kickback. That's the best way to do it. Also, please become a subscriber. Can't tell you that helps more than anything else. And we need your help so desperately. We always are trying to fix things and make things better. And we can't do it without money. It's just a fact of life. We don't live in a communist utopia so uh, or socialist utopia. We live in America where everything costs lots of money, including a lot of fixes I would love to do on this site and add new things and yada 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 so please become a subscriber always lots of extra content with you uh the original gentleman is doing new episodes we always have lots of commentaries on there there's the breakfast pub uh every week with all the movie news and tv shows every single bit helps but now with no further ado let's do the review let's do the reviews indeed and we're going to start off with a movie that I did not see in the theater. I believe it was playing the same time as another movie. So I was like, yeah, I'll take the other movie, having seen the trailer and going, meh. But there was a lot of excitement about this movie, The Circle, beforehand, um, partially because it has a you know pretty interesting cast. Emma Thompson, or I'm sorry, Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, John Boyega, uh, Karen Gillan, L.R. Coltrane, Patton Oswalt, Glenn Headley, and Bill Paxton's last role. Yes, and, and you know, it was also written by Dave Eggers, who is a best-selling novelist and also came on to adapt the screenplay. I haven't read the book. Maybe it's no. great. I don't know. But all I can tell you is but, the movie is not. But boy, is it not. Although I will say... It all the elements are there. It wasn't as bad as people were saying. No, Because I was hearing criticism that was so hyperbolic of this movie that I was like expecting this to be the biggest piece of trash I ever saw. Instead, it's just kind of boring and pointless. No, it, it, it's not trash. That's the problem. It, it doesn't take enough risks and it doesn't do anything interesting enough with its premise to go into that holy shit i can't believe they went their territory yes it, it i don't want to say it plays it safe but it plays it obvious uh this is the circle it's story of uh emma watson she's a young woman who has gotten an internship 
and a position, actually, at this. Uh, basically, it is a combination of Facebook and Google. Yeah. Imagine if Facebook and Google had a baby. It would be the circle, this social media network hub that connects everything and everybody with uh, Steve Jobs p- being played by Tom Hanks. Essentially. Uh, and also Patton Oswalt as his Wozniak, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but there may be a little bit of Zuckerberg in there. They basically want to connect the world They've pitched this, you know, sort of like utopian society based on the freedom of information. Yeah, they have a of campus. sharing. You like everybody's encouraged to share everything all day, uh, every and, day. And yes. it's a, the the film ultimately is about like that frog in a boiling pot of water erosion of privacy that we're definitely going through as a culture right now. That it's happening, you know, gradually enough that it just seems yeah. normal. Yeah. And this is somebody who's being confronted with being part of that and the excitement of like, but it's all one big connected world. Right. But, while forgetting about the fact that not everybody wants to be part and, of that. And in a world without secrets, then there can be no lies. Everything would be perfect if all if we were completely transparent or Every waking moment was, you know, transmitted across the globe for everyone to see. But, of course, you have people in the film who are not crazy about that. And Emma Watson, this is the frustrating part of this movie. Because every other scene involves Emma Watson's character meeting somebody who works for the circle. Yeah. Talking about, oh, I'm part of this new program and it's this amazing thing. And, you know, we are going to be able to track children around the world and prevent predators. And, you know, we can find them within 30 seconds. Caref- like, that's amazing. Carefully How- avoiding the other side. And of then the- they, but then they'll go ahead and actually say it and they'll go, Yes, we. how are you going to do all that? Oh, well, we implant chips into the bones of children. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Tom Hanks starts pitching, you know, uh, this wonderful idea of just these tiny little micros, almost not microscopic. They're very small, the size yeah. of a marble, a little camera that you could stick anywhere. But, you know, supposedly he's doing it just so he can watch the tides. And then as yeah. we find out, ah, but it has, it collects biometric data, it collects collects climate data it yeah. suddenly you realize that's what every scene is like this somebody says i have this great thing it's wonderful and you think oh well, where's the faustian bargain rather than develop that you just have a character flat out say and here's where it could terribly go wrong but we love it and emma watson is the only character who seems to go Wow, this could go horribly wrong. But not even. But then I'm going to play along with it anyway you, because I'm so happy here. That's the thing. Maybe a little at first, but then she so thoroughly buys into it until like the no duh situation yeah. that goes terribly wrong. Uh, that I was just like, I've already lost all sympathy yeah. for you, which isn't to say I'm even 100% behind this movie's techno fear either. I'm just like, okay. I mean, obviously it's, it's very clear to see everything you're, you're saying, but honestly, we've made so many deals with the devil when it comes to lack of but- privacy already. I'm kind of like, all right, yeah. like you guys make some jumps. Of like what would even be mildly considered legal to do with this technology mm-hmm. that I was like, yeah, I'm just not buying that would be a thing that would happen like that. But you're right in that part of the problem with this film is that its initial, its central premise is not necessarily incorrect. It's just that nobody cares. I had a, uh, I remember years ago, uh, this would have been in the early 90s, uh, about 95, talking to a guy about the upcoming Oscar nominees for Best Picture, one of which was Robert Redford's Quiz Show. Mm. This guy said... That's the best movie of the year, but it's not going to win. I said, well, what do you mean? Why do you think not? It's like, because it's a movie set in the 1950s about how television lies to us. And an audience in the 1990s already knows that. Yeah, why do we care? (laughs) And more to the point, they don't care. They've become complacent. They've become, 
they've just taken it for granted and made whatever moral compromise they have to make in order to just enjoy life. That's the problem with the circle. It it's wants to scare you into something that you have already grown accustomed to, and it does it in such an inept kind of way that, like I said, it bludgeons the point. I think had it been done as a comedy, that broadness might have actually really been very effective, but it wants us to take it at face value as this, like, of the moment thriller and it just but induces it's never, and it's never even really a thriller it's just yeah. so boring for most of it i mean literally when things break down at the, at the very end yeah and then they're like well this it's is the w- this is the resolution where everybody gets their just up comeuppance which they really don't yeah. and it's like john okay, boyega is wasted in this. john boyega is barely in this and i'm not even clear entirely in how he was useful in the plot of this uh, thing. No, he's just like a, he's literally an exposition dump he yeah, says let me expose is, something uh, to you Emma because watson's, i like you old, old watson's old friend lr coltrane who's like a, a technophobe oh played by like just there oh, no, the other to be like see some people don't like this yeah. stuff but Here's he's never slippery explored carrie gillen karen gillen plays her best friend who initially gets the job but the movie quickly forgets she was even it, in it, it seems largely. like for a moment she's going to be the one who like has cracked what's going on and then by the end she's like no i was just tired i'm like well then why were you in this movie it's just so sad watching bill paxton this thing and glenn headley yeah this being paxton's last movie and he's playing a guy who's really sick yeah even though he was not like i mean like what happened to him was like a accident during surgery so it's like okay that he wasn't really ill that that's not not we're saying he has ms in this and as always he's good but he's bare the both of them are they're barely in this thing um it's a great cast given little to do i would i was watching this going I never thought I'd say this, but this needs like 50% more of the firm. Yeah. You know, it needs the, the, to be no the bad sense guys of a ticking need, clock. Yeah. Or, and the bad guys are just don't, aren't interesting in the slightest. They're not really nefarious. They're no. just kind of there. Hence they're the most like, white, they're the most white collar criminals ever. Yeah. But not, and they're, they're always, they don't even consider them what they're doing criminal at all, at no. all. And lots of people don't. Either, you and know, maybe that's the point. Like, eh. But yeah, I it's, I just thought this whole thing was just really kind of it's meh. pointless. Uh, the one thing I will say good about this is there is a really lovely bonus feature on here, which is largely just an interview with Tom Hanks about Bill Paxton. Yeah, just to, called remembering uh, Bill Paxton, a true original. That is really nice. It's, yeah, hey, I had no idea they were as close as they were, but apparently they were like call each other on the phone in the middle of the night. Close, yeah. just and, those guys who, who maybe worked together one or two times over the years yeah. but just hit it off and, and stayed in touch. well they've actually worked together a lot um he produced quite a few things well that's that, true that, but on screen that's what I on screen they've only been together i think three times yeah, and they but, are not on screen in this movie no they never appear in the same scene yeah uh but th- honestly maybe that's on the internet somewhere i don't know but that that alone is really it's just really sweet it made me tear up a little bit watching it yeah. uh, and it made tom hanks tear up a little bit doing it uh, and there's a couple other EPK things on sure. here, but honestly, they didn't bother to put a lot in here because they knew they had a bomb on their hands, yeah. and why bother, quite frankly. Uh, next up is a little horror movie yeah. called The Glass Coffin. Um, this, uh, Do you remember where this is from? La Torre de Cristal. I believe it's from Spain. Uh, it's done in Spanish. It's an all-Spanish cast. Uh I mean, what there is, there's not a huge cast. It, it's, it's it's very it's small. Basically, three people extensively. Yeah, this is a, a world famous actress is on the way to pick up uh, her lifetime achievement award. She gets or some kind a, of achievement. Some award. kind of. It's described, I think, as an achievement award. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's been acting for many years. She, uh, you know, has a a limo come to pick her up, and 
So of course, before long, the limos locked down. You cannot see the chauffeur. And there's this creepy little camera eye, very reminiscent of HAL 2000, and a distorted voice giving her all kinds of orders, uh, which get increasingly lurid and terrible. Uh, and of course... You know, this is really the. I cannot read the screen here. The uh, the actress's name. I'm not familiar with her, but she basically has to carry this movie. It's almost a one act, per, a one person drama. Uh, she's basically just talking to another voice off screen. Yes, uh, her tormentor, and she really has a. Uh, she really has to just control the screen. Uh, not familiar with this actress, but she does an excellent job in yeah, it. Yeah, she's very strong. The performances across the board are strong. And I don't want to spoil what the one of the, the twists are here, which is basically the reveal of who the person yeah. is who abducted which her. I, is a, but I think halfway through the movie, There's you'll a sizable like surprise when you realize one basic quality about this person that's not what you would have assumed it was. And I did think this was interesting. It's definitely it has a sort of almost black mirror-ish sort of vibe sure. to it. Although I will say I got really dumb towards the end. Oh, of course. And yeah. Also, there's just the flatly, completely unnecessary graphic rape scene in the middle. Yes. Of this, as th well. that's, this does border into torture porn and yeah. just, it gets really uncomfortable. It's a shame because like I said, these are guys, this woman is great in this performance. Yeah. It's a stylish looking, albeit very low budget film because it's, it's, set it's entirely. basically one set inside yeah. of this, this gorgeous I limousine. Mean, the, 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 the limousine that Cronenberg had built for the interiors of Cosmopolis probably cost more than this entire movie, right. which is also set entirely inside of a limousine. In fact, it's one of those things that as I was watching it, I began to realize it's wonderfully art directed. They find a lot of ways to get different looks out of this one single environment. Yes. It's my brain, you know, my designer brain starts going, wait a minute. Okay. I know where the camera was and I know where the camera is. Okay. I know you've crossed some kind of line. And also, how is this character standing inside of your limousine? It was a big fucking limousine. It, I mean, uh, yeah, but it wasn't a tall limousine. How do has, people stand up in full height? And the place has like three looks. There's a white light, there's a blue light, yeah. and there's a red light. And yeah. it changes based on the, the vagaries of whatever the mm -hmm. person wants uh, on the other side of the glass yeah. wants her to feel. I mean, they get a lot of mileage out of this very limited environment, and they get a lot of looks out of it. It's one of those things that, on the surface, you understand is completely implausible, but without it, you don't have a story. Uh, I, did, I do think it was a misstep to go into some of those uncomfortable areas. I thought they were going to do that earlier, and then I thought, oh, no, they're going to find a way to move around that so we don't go there. And then, God damn it, they went somewhere even worse. It definitely makes you feel extremely icky watching it. Yeah. And, I'm, I, you know, and once again, I'll be the one to say... I don't have a problem with rape being re represented or sexual violence in movies as long as it is inherent and as important to the story. It's the big part. It advances yeah. the characters. It's not there just to do it. Yeah, right? it's really and, just and there to could, provide an antagonist. And one, one could argue here it is super inherent to the storyline. It's just that when you finally get to realizing what this person, why they're doing what they're doing, you're like, seriously? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> this, this, this is a giallo with just a little more plot coherence but yeah. not much. Still, uh, who directed this thing? Uh, I think it was a written and directed by the same individual, uh, uh, by a oh. Hartz Zubilega. 
And there are two writers, one of which was Haritz uh, Zubilega. I'm sorry, I'm, no, I'm destroying cares. these it's names. Directed by Alto Enaritz. But either way, <laughs> who was also the lead actor? No, she didn't direct it. She was. Uh, oh, is she not listening. No. To it I just read the director, the director and writer. No, no, no. You see, oh, you're star. Right, you're right. I'm sorry, Haritz Zubilega. But regardless, it's a small crew, a small cast, a, a small budget. But very stylish. I'd be curious to see what these guys have uh, next, uh, if they are given more to work it's with. It's an interesting first film. Yeah. It needed uh, – what worries me is just that the the core idea, like I said, when it came down to it, of like how it paid off, was which is, isn't something you come to yeah. later, was so flawed as to make the whole thing tip yeah. over. And, and I also saw it coming about halfway through. But nevertheless, as, a st- as an exercise in style – and it's barely feature length. It's just like maybe 75 minutes. It's worth checking out. Yeah, I would agree. But for serious horror fans who like the icky stuff. Yeah. All right. So next up. <laughs> for man, non-serious for, horror for fans. For non-serious horror fans are people who are nostalgic for the, the horror, like trashy horror movies of the 80s. But, you know, the good trashy horror movies yeah. of the 80s. We have... From Vestron Video, which I believe is they're owned by Lionsgate now, I think. Yes. That, uh, there seems to be this concerted effort to re-release their films in a very shout factory sort of fashion, yeah. like fix them up. They have add a deep catalog. Of, yeah, add a ton of extra features. And the latest is the Warlock collection. Trilogy. The trilogy. All three of the Warlock films. Uh, Warlock, Warlock 2, Warlock 3, whatever. Obviously, Warlock was kind of a cable standard for a long, oh, yeah. for a lot of people. I never saw it growing up. Somehow I missed it. No, I, I only way. saw it in bits and pieces. Like I told you earlier, the only reason it's ever was really on my radar is my best friend in high school, his girlfriend loved Julian Sands and she would just talk about this movie all the time because she loved Julian Sands. I don't know if she was watching the same movie that I watched because it's really not all that great. It's fun. It's dumb. It involves uh, Julian Sands as the evil warlock who uh, is transported somehow into the future and pursued by a totally inappropriately dressed Richard E. Grant who so shows weird. up in California with sexy like sexy Richard E. Sexy Grant. E. Richard E. Grant looking like he just came from the Night's Watch. And I'm like, dude, you're in sunny California. Can't you lose like well, eight layers? But of they are they do wolfer? keep making those fish out of water jokes with him. That, it, yeah, like, yeah. That, that that he's like, oh I didn't realize that that's a thing and this isn't things people do. Yeah, like he's a white witch that chases down black witches and yeah. Julian Sands is the ultimate black witch that is trying to resurrect Satan and in our time and end the world because that's what you do yeah um and he has to assemble the grand grimoire a satanic book that all all these pages three plot tokens scattered across the country and he's chasing after laurie singer Uh, apparently was incredibly difficult while making this film like it's famously really nightmarish to work with on oh wow because she's lovely in this movie she's gorgeous and the whole thing kind of has a feel of like a sword and sorcery version of the terminator yeah that's a fair assessment it's gonna be a pretty standard bear this is really purely for nostalgia's sake i i mean if you want to know when people say oh they don't make them like they used to sometimes that's a good thing (laughs) because frankly kids this is a what this is basically a better version of a lot of the shit they used to make especially that things that got released on (laughs) vestron relatively modestly budgeted films with a few good effects 
occasionally some rising actors who were kind of on the cusp of going somewhere else, a hokey plot, and just a lot of bad 80s hair and fashion. You can kind of look at it as a time capsule. I mean, I'm not nostalgic for this film, having never seen it before now, but I will say I had fun with this. I mean, yeah. for the type of film it is, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's 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 low budget. The effects are laughable. Anytime oh, yeah. he's doing magic, it's like... You oh, know, the flying drawn on the hilarious. drawn on the screen. Yeah, when he has to fly. I mean, they're bad yeah. effects. But, yeah, but, but there are there are some again, they're limited by the budget. You have some guys who went on to do better things. And if you uh pick up this collection, you're gonna get an enormous amount of special features, more than you would ever think. Uh, a series like this would justify, uh, including some vintage fe- featurettes and some reminiscences. Yeah, some new stuff yeah. reminiscing. There's some yeah. nice mat work. Who does g- traditional glass right. painting? Who does that anymore? So then they did it on this movie. Warlock the Armageddon, yeah. uh, which is the sequel only in name, despite the fact that Julian Sands is returning in the title role as a warlock, doing, trying to do exactly the same yeah. thing to free Satan from hell, only in this case, instead of pages, there are this collection of crystals, and yeah. there's a lot of, like, he has to deal with modern-day dreams druids and like a, a druid from the past coming back and he's another woman that's being chased and this one is actually notable for the fact that it gets a lot gorier than the first one oh, it is okay. very Maybe graphically horror much more graphically violent a lot more graphics like nudity in this one okay. this is definitely more of the like takes the trashy level one step further and it's still fun it's not as solid a film as the first one is where it's like it gets in the first one gets in and gets out and it sticks by its own rules and it does what it's going to do this one goes a little crazier and a lot of people know like this one better because they're like because of that that yeah. it goes crazy crazier i mean it's all right yeah. the third one on the other hand takes a, a totally different uh turn with getting a completely different actor in here bruce Payne, to play the warlock and in here it's more of a haunted house slash slasher film where like there are all these people who are staying in this house that, that like that clearly something is creepy and about it and then the warlock shows up pretending to be a different guy entirely and then just starts killing them one at a time um and I don't know. I mean, he's trying to do the same shit, ex- like yeah. except this time he wants to her to Im- be impregnated, so she gives birth yeah. to the Antichrist. This, or this is one of those series uh, where I think you know the first film did well enough to justify a sequel. Yeah, the second one got a bigger budget. But didn't perform well. So by the time you get to the third one, the budget actually goes down. It's yeah. like, wow, we're going to get cheaper. Uh, that instead is, of, in horror, that's generally you know, the way it goes. But that's a, a clear sign. And plus, the original leads have just long gone. Yeah. You know, it's a clear sign that the franchise is winding down. I will down. say Bruce Payne does a perfectly good job in this. I, I'm he's, sure he's, a, he's an actor who's always been capable of doing creepy roles, and he really is a good heavy yeah. here. I mean, some have even argued he played it better than Julian Sands yeah. did. But, I mean, and Julian but Sands he's not even sexy. looks like Julian yeah, Sands. But Julian is, Sands know. even looks like, well, we couldn't get Sting to do this, so let's get a blonde Englishman with a receding hairline. He, he does know. really have that sort of He's got a very Sting, sting look. look to him. Um, and like you said, they did not mess around. These are nice fix-ups of these things. Not some of sometimes is hurt by a night upgrade, you know, because yeah, the yeah. effects are so bad. But like even just the first like movie alone is just packed with bonus features. So yeah, if you're a fan of these movies at all, this is actually a great set to pick up. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Now, when I got to see, you did not get to see was Obit Life on Deadline. Now, what this does is this takes a look at a couple people whose whole job, of which there's almost no one else and no one left in the world who does this anymore, their whole job at the New York Times is to write the obituary section. Like, 
okay, most newspapers don't even have an obituary section anymore. Yeah. These guys do are the ones that when somebody who is of note okay. dies, even if it's somebody you've never heard of but has something about them, they're like, wow, that's a really great, cool thing that they did. Their job is to find out who those people are and write timely obituaries of, of them. Sometimes, in some cases, they're like, talking about during the length of this thing oh well sometimes you have to write obituaries ahead of time too a lot of the time we try to if they're like oh this person's really sick we start writing right now there is some guy in the new york times staff room who's got keith richards obit written in a drawer for the past 20 years going god damn it when am i ever going to get to use this actually a record for that with them there's somebody who just died recently i forget her name but she was a early female stunt pilot and apparently uh they wrote her obituary way back in the 30s and it's just been sitting on file for like 60, 70 like, come years. come on and die already. This was my best work. <laughs> I mean, and this is interesting, but I, I gotta say, watching this, uh, it's much longer than this story needs to be. There's a point where you're like, okay, you guys are just running out of more stuff to tell us about these people. There's only really like three or four people they're talking to here of this team. And it's most interesting, not when they're talking about the procedure of doing it, but when they pick out cool stories about people you didn't yeah. know anything about to tell you about their obituary to, to tell you about their lives using stuff that yeah. like reading out their obituary and then showing you that like oh that's cool there's a variety of them but there's not enough of that either it keeps going back into like really just the proceduralism of the whole thing sure. this is would have been a really good episode of 60 minutes or something along those lines of nightline but it's like the unedited, you know, extended version that you could see on the web, you know. Yeah, but as a full movie, I was definitely kind of starting yeah. to get bored by after the hour mark going, okay, that's enough. I get it. And, you know, like there's really nothing else to add after that point, but they find a way. It's just not all that interesting what's added. But a lot of people really like this thing, and I do think it's really worth a look. Um, I missed it at the theater. This was one I did want to see, so I'll probably be checking it out later. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds a little bit dry, but sometimes I like a good dry documentary. Like I said, it's still interesting. It's one of those things that's kind of cool to, to watch slash listen to in the background while you're doing something else. You yeah, can, exactly. You can. It's it's not intense enough. It's kind of light, really. So yeah. Uh, uh, despite being a movie, about I like morbidly light stuff. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to one you did see again: The Lovers, yeah. a comedy romance film about an older couple that's been together for a really long time that are both cheating and have been cheating on each other with other people, and both are making plans to leave their their, their significant their their hubby slash what is it wubby their respective their spouses spouses for these lovers, and then all of a sudden. They start falling back in love with each yeah. other. But uh, it now that's a very simple way to put it. Uh, it actually gets a little more complicated than that, but that's a perfect synopsis of what you're going to get here. Uh, this is actually my pick of the week uh, by a director I'm not familiar with, a writer-director named Azazel Jacobs. God, his name's Azazel? They Azazel. named him after a demon? You know, hey. <laughs> oh, my God. But this is actually a really smart, very funny, it, it's a comedy it's not too broad. It's not too silly. Uh, it's right in that sweet spot between, you know, being sad and poignant and, you know, observational human type stuff. Uh, and then a few moments that are just silly. I think for me, the, the thing that kind of crystallized it for me is that very early on, as you mentioned, the characters decide I'm going to set a date. 
Yeah. You know, and the their respective, the people they're cheating on are kind of pushing them, forcing, going, you have to set a date. We've been talking about you this have for to set a while. We're in love with each other. And, why and that's you when you, you realize why these people are kind of perfect for each other, because they are both simultaneously cheating on one another, promising their uh, their flings that they are going to set a date, and they both pick the exact same date. Yeah. Uh, so you start to get a clue early on that they are still on some kind of wavelength. What this is really does best is takes a movie about, frankly, something you don't see too often, which is middle-aged people. Yeah. This like this feels like, you know, something that a very, very light-hearted John Cassavetes might have done. It doesn't have that sort of, you know, uh, improvisational bit, but that idea of, like, just examining a relationship that's very damaged, clearly problematic, but there are still those moments where these people can connect and realize what they used to be, and, and is, a great supporting cast. And this too. is such a strength, a great, uh, great role cast for Deborah Winger, who, yeah. we, who is such a wonderful actress. We never get to see yeah. enough of and because very unfortunately she's a middle-aged woman, and there yeah. just aren't that many roles out there outside of a small group right. who get all of them. Sure. And then Tracy Letts, yeah. who's one of those people aren't on a lot of people's radars, but it's interesting. I just saw this he's recently. He's married to Carrie Coon, who so? just had an incredible season on television with both her performances oh. on the left. And on Fargo, yeah, I, but um, he's also a, I believe, is it Pulitzer Prize winning? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, for and, Austin of Sagan County. They're they're others. They're the people they're cheating on, played by Melora Walters, and then Aiden Gillen, yeah. who you guys know as Littlefinger yeah. on Game of Thrones, who are both really good here as well. Yeah, and, and you know, it's one of those things where there aren't any villains here. No, there's no one who's bad. There's no one in the relationship like, oh, clearly this person's toxic and they need to just cut themselves yeah, out of their lives. Goes, man, it's just life, man. Both, Yeah, and Shit then, you know, happens. then, the, then their, their uh, son comes in and, you know, warns his girlfriend, I'm going to tell you, my parents are terrible people. He shows up and suddenly they're lovey-dovey. Now, like, you what might, the fuck is going on, Mom and Dad? Why do you love each yeah, other? Are you faking this? Was this all a lie? And... It, there are a couple of plot complications, but they're not the kind of plot complications that would show up in a typical comedy where it just feels forced and just out of the blue just to move the plot along. And nor is the resolution as sort of uh, predictable as you might think. I yeah. think the ending of this film kind of took me by surprise, not because it's like some horrible revelation or because there's some huge climactic finale. It's more like, oh... Sometimes this happens. People go on different paths, and they're not the path I would have taken. But, yeah. you know, hey, somehow they made it work. It, this is kind of a small gem of a movie that in today's kind of tentpole climate and, you know, genre films and stuff, I'm always kind of happy that a little film like this got out. It, this is a movie. We, we've said it before. These are the grown-up movies. These are movies for grown-ups. Yeah. And guess who put it out? A24. A24. Of and of course, why not? Because, you know, they realize that there is a market for smart, well-written, well-acted movies that appeal to just more than our desire to see shit blow up. And plus, a film that, yeah, there's a little hints of nudity. But this is middle-aged sex, and yeah. in all its glory, they don't try to pretty these people up. Uh, suffice it to say, 
if you're willing to, it's not very long, but if you are patient enough to just watch human nature unfold <laughs> with some very charming people yeah. uh, and some middle-aged bodies acknowledging that, yes, we're, we are older, but we still like having sex and we still have emotional needs. Gross. You know, hey, <laughs> you know, don't laugh. That could be, who am I kidding? That is us. We are that age. We're all a little lumpy. I'm not quite that age. No, Come on. no, no. No, they're, they're a little bit, they're movie middle age, yeah. you know, which means they're actually too old to be middle age but they're still more attractive than most people who actually are middle very aged. true moving on our final movie this week is the final master now i've been a little nervous about uh some of the chinese films that we've been getting lately because a lot of them we've b- uh, been going wow i'm having a really hard time following what the fuck is going on in this yeah. movie that doesn't even have like back in the day when I used to go to our local crazy video store and I would get imported ones with the worst subtitles yeah. imaginable, you expected to not know right, what's going of on. Course. But it didn't matter because you were watching action like you'd never seen. And, and most of the time, the action was pretty. I mean, the the plot itself was pretty perfunctory. This yes. is this uh, is a yeah, guy a trying story. to be very serious about telling his tale. Yeah. But that being said, and this is based on a, on a real story. That being said, the action is spectacular. Absolutely. Enough. And the, the, the my god, the cinematography oh, no. of this thing is beautiful. So period detail, gorgeous. That I didn't mind the fact that halfway through I had to pause it and read the Wikipedia yeah. synopsis to get totally I, on track. I stuck through it because I the, I had a similar reaction to this other this director's previous film. Uh, this is a directed by written and directed by Zhu Hao Feng, who also directed and wrote. Uh, well, I think he came to prominence because but Judge he, Archer. He, well, he wrote Judge Archer, which was one we reviewed, but he had also written uh, a kung fu film for Wong Kar Wai, mm. uh, which was the Grandmaster, Grandmaster yeah. you know, which was a huge international sensation. And then that Great allowed movie. him to go on and move on. So that kind of makes you wonder if he needs someone like a Wong Kar Wai to go, hey, dude, this shit don't make sense. Or it's a little awkward, but I'm going to find a way in the editing room to piece it together. This is kind of like the story of what was happening right before... Bruce Lee got in trouble with everybody in China for starting to teach Kung Fu or Wing Chun in America. This is kind of the story of the beginning of all that. Because for the longest time, martial arts was something, not only did you not teach it to foreigners, you didn't teach it to anybody who wasn't inside your very specific, carefully selected school of students who were sworn to secrecy of these principles and practices. Bruce Lee was kind of the one who brought it to America, and you know that's where you hear all those conspiracy theories about, right. like, oh, he was murdered by the Chinese Kung Fu consortium, blah blah blah. Well, Whatever. This is the true story of a Wing Chun grandmaster, Grandmaster Chen, who was at this point the last surviving practitioner master of Wing Chun, which was still looked at kind of askance. Yeah, it was the new thing. I think know. it was evolved from dance, if I remember correctly, yeah, like from the Peking Opera, and so it was like looked at as not a serious martial art. Right. I, well, I could be he, getting stuff mixed he up. Co- and again, it, it, the way the story unfolds, it almost doesn't matter, because it becomes so convoluted. He comes into this Tianjin, which is a, a town that is sort of noted for having all of these rival martial arts schools. Yeah. He goes to a, a master that he knows who runs another school. He says, hey, uh, I'm the last guy who t- can teach Wing Chun. I th- feel like it's my destiny to teach it. And he's like, I want to open a school. It's like, ah, uh, not so fast. So you can't do that. That like, you know, just like that. you gotta, you you gotta, you gotta go in and you gotta find someone first. You have to be respectable, so you have to marry someone. So he literally goes, "Who's that lady at the bar? Ah, she's trash." He's like, "I'll marry her." Shut. Good looking trash. Good looking trash. Taking that. You know. 
And uh, then he goes, now, and to, in order to get a school, you're going to have to, like, challenge all, you're going to have to get a, a pupil. Well, his pupil yeah. is a guy who shows up and kind of gets rapey on his wife. Yeah. He shows up, kicks his ass, and goes, you almost raped my wife, but you got skills, so you're going to be my well, student. As we, as because we discover early on, he's like, because you're going to have to end up to portraying this guy. Right, and because he's already planned to, I'm going to sacrifice him. And, I, you know... I don't know why, but somehow he needs to fight like the other eight schools, and yeah. one of them has to be sacrificed, and another like guy shows up as a prove, ringer, and he betrays like he the other guy. That the style is worthy enough, yeah. but he cannot personally fight at these right, other schools for some reason. It's a lot, very complicated. And then it turns out that the Chinese army has come <laughs> in, and they're sort of taking over the yeah. schools, and that everybody has like a secret pact with everybody else to try yeah. and keep this guy from doing what he's doing, and people are turn coding, and it's very complicated. But all that being said, it still is a really fun movie to watch. Even when I was like kind of losing track of what the plot was, I never stopped having fun watching. Yes, this. and again, that it, it's it is like Judge Archer in that respect, only better in every respect. Uh, unfortunately, the flaws of Judge Archer have also magnified, along with all the things that were good, because it takes place in a very similar time as Judge Archer. You have this sort of 30s China, you have all these great period details, but you also have a director who's willing to throw in a few little anachronisms, a few little eccentric touches, mm -hmm. you know, like the uh, the very butch-looking uh, woman who runs one of the rival schools, mm -hmm. uh, who looks like she could have been like a villain in an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just that sort of heightened tension, or that heightened uh, reality. Weirdly, something that, that is not uncommon to have androgynous like men played by women yeah. or or really feminine men who cl who they declare mm -hmm. are kind of neither especially in the more mystical stuff like okay. wushu that's very common in chinese film and here despite the fact she dresses completely like a man and is very butch Nobody ever brings it up. No, that, that, that's, the, <laughs> that, that, that's the part that I found uh, a bit anachronistic. Yeah, it was very know. odd because normally in these films, it's something that would have been commented on. And in know, fact, if anything, they keep saying how beautiful she it's is. It's just there because it looks cool. Yeah. Just like, you know, uh, just like uh, the master's uh, wife who smokes this, has this bizarre little cigarette holder. It's just one of those odd little there's period a, touches. There's little touches that, and that's partially why I, I like this so much for all those weird little touches. Yeah. that are all appropriate to the period and make sense in the context of the thing. In fact, this feels probably pretty historically accurate on the whole. It doesn't get into myth or legend very yeah. much. It feels like stuff that, I, at least based on stuff that actually really happened, um, it's but or why at it, least you know at least inspired. This is one of those cases where I don't believe that this is a true story. Other more than it was probably inspired. By a true sure, story. sure. I, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know, honestly. I think it also has a lot of elements, like you said. You know, these sort of familiar elements. It's possible that to a Chinese audience, this stuff plays a lot better. True. Uh, that they're familiar with some of these conventions, and that we, as you know, ignorant Westerners, just don't know what the hell's going on. They're like, of course, we're not going to explain all of the various nuances and internecine warfare that would occur between <laughs> all of the rival, you know, schools. Everybody, yeah. every kid knows that, you know. But for us, you know, it was kind of like. Who is this guy fighting yeah. for and why again? Uh, but it's when the, fun. But when it looks as gorgeous as this is, yeah. when everyone in it is so gorgeous. God, these are some beautiful people oh, in yeah. this movie. And the fights, and when the are, fights great. are The fights are top notch. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's a whole like sequence in an alley of a series where the yeah. hero is just fighting his way through like all these masters yeah. that is just 
gorgeous to watch. Oh yeah, there's 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 no doubt. You have hand to hand. You have just about every type of bladed weapon. You've got. It's one of those uh, fight films that actually not only kind of hits you with like the force and the visceral nature of the fights, but not not only the beauty but the variety. Sometimes yeah. I see a lot of these films that just kind of like okay, we're on fight number four now, and I've seen this same guy kick somebody's ass a bunch of times. Zhao Feng Heng, uh, I'm sorry about the name. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. The but director. you know who I mean. The director, uh, who is a martial artist himself, finds a way to every every set piece becomes its own unique identity with a different fighting style, with different villains, with different weapons, and that goes a long way to fighting a lot of the. Because frankly, if without the fighting, without the period yes, detail, would be I would have just been like. Avoid this. No clue what's happening. It would just have been a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. A badly conceived, poorly told uh, soap opera with some lame fights. But um, because the fights and the uh, design and the camera work are so good. And even just it's worth out watching. the performances. And the performances are, really are great. They're committed to this shit that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well. But they commit to those performances. Next time I do recommend pausing it and going on Wikipedia and reading the synopsis. It really uh, helps. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm like, I'm going to sit here until it makes sense. And by the and by the last say ten minutes, fifteen minutes of Judge Archer, I was like, I've already given okay. That up. one was too much punishment. I, I'm like, I've given up. Just I'm just going to sit here and watch it to the end, so I can say I watched it to the end. <laughs> here, even though I had those moments of narrative incoherence, I enjoyed myself still as I watched. It. I was still engaged with what was happening. Agreed. So. Well, speaking of punishment, your punishment for the week is over, Marco, Thank you, because sir. we are done with this episode of Digital Noise, and we, I will be back. With uh, one of my new guy, new guys, Neil, who previously I want to say he was on our when we did the Star Wars Last Jedi trailer review, but I can't remember. That sounds right. Particular uh, specifically, but anyway, he will be joining me for for the next episode of Digital Noise. So tune in for that. Thanks okay. so much for listening. Goodbye. Oneofus.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel. <laughs> <laughs>